Penn State loses to Michigan 24-15. Welcome into a post-game recap here on Locked On Nittany Lions. I am Zach Seiko, your host, and I'm joined by Penn State Rivals editor, and that is Dylan Callaghan-Crowley, and then associate producer with the show for Locked On Nittany Lions, Zane Bransfield. And we're talking about this one. I want to take a poll here. Mike Yersich, Drew Aller, where do we begin? Uh, is the program in shambles because obviously people are fed up? Uh, you know, I'll own that I picked Penn State over Michigan, but it, Michigan's clearly the better football team, and it did not matter that they did not have Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. They did not have a head coach. They were still able to win. I, I think it's fair to start with the coaching because the play calling left me scratching my head at points. Uh, James Franklin actually called it out in the postgame press conference, guys. You were you were there with me when. Drew Aller, he was asked about Drew Aller's performance, and he said, well, we should have gave Drew, plays should have been called to give Drew some more confidence, some easier throws. That's uh, I thought he was going to criticize Drew saying, okay, you know, Aller didn't do this, Aller didn't do that, without completely throwing him under the bus. But instead it was, you know, play calling's got to be better. Whoa. So, Dylan, uh, the play calling was definitely not good. I, I don't like that on fourth down and short plays, you're having a court, a running back throwback to yeah. from Katron Allen to Drew Aller. Michigan just runs the football. They just say, we're going to put eight our eight best linemen on the field and push you two yards. And it was embarrassing the way they reset the line of scrimmage on those offensive line from Michigan's offensive line. But besides the point, but Michigan on third and two at a shotgun with a J.J. McCarthy who's banged up says, we're running it and you can't stop us. Penn State on fourth and one pitched to Katron. He's obviously throwing it. And then it's a pitch back to Drew Aller. Like, what the heck? What the heck? Yeah, there's there's a lot of places you can uh, start with this offensive play calling on uh, Saturday for Penn State. It was uninspiring, I think, yep. is one word you could use for it. Um, there was, you know, the, the run game had a good day. They averaged 4.7 yards per carry, somewhere in that range. Yep. They had a good day for the most part. But uh, it, the creativity when it came to, uh, you know, second along, second along, so second and medium, third and medium, in those situations, uh, it, it just wasn't there for Mike Yurcich. And, you know, Yurcich coming in this year did some nice things last year for Penn State. 2021, he obviously struggled. Uh, and this year, I think it's safe to say it's been a struggle for Mike Yurcich once again. And the two biggest games of the season for Penn State have been his worst called games of the year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you said it, James Franklin called out Mike Yersich in the post-game press conference yeah. saying uh, they have to get play calling that they have to use play calling that gets Drew into rhythm early. Yeah. Um, James isn't one to call out his coordinators in uh, press conferences very much. Um, I, I mean, this is a guy, if, if people remember, um, he had to be pushed to fire John Donovan a couple, uh, nearly a decade ago. Yeah. He had to be pushed to make that type of decision. Um, so I, I think that's very telling uh, of James' thought process right now. I, I'm not saying James is going to come out and fire Mike Yersich, but Mike Yersich is definitely somebody who I think we need to start talking a little bit more about it when it comes to his impact and his game calling this season. Yes, Penn State's wide receiver personnel is not there this season. Drew has not taken the steps forward that Penn State would have helped for this year. But at the end of the day, two biggest games of the season – Mike Gearsich has called two uh, pretty below average uh, game. I mean, if you had to grade out his play calls, I, I think it, it it can't go much higher than a, a D plus. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. there, there's just not many positives you can talk about from Mike Gearsich today. I thought the I thought the offensive line for the most part played pretty well today. 
against that I'd Michigan give him a B plus, so. A minus with the way the pass protection was there. Drew yep. Aller had time, and the running backs were getting Drew, they Drew, what they averaged over four and a half yep. yards per carry. Drew's struggles stayed wasn't on the offensive line. Drew struggles today were on the offense. I mean, he had guys open. He rushed throws. He was inaccurate. He looks like he looks. He's looked like a kid in the two biggest games of the season. Who, um, despite what we have thought, yeah. uh, is not ready for these types of games. That's what he looks like, at least. Maybe he, he, you know, they they talk about what they see in practice uh, every day that we're not there as media. Um, that may show one thing, but what we've seen on the field now yeah. in two of Penn State's biggest games is that Drew's not ready for these type of moments, and. Like I said, there was opportunities there for Drew to be made today. He made them with his legs. But when it comes yep. to making a decision uh, to throw the ball uh, in, deep in the air at times, it, like you said, he looks scared uh, to throw an yep. interception still, despite again, that interception against uh, Indiana out of the way. So you are. So we've jumped now to Drew Aller. So there, I, I don't know that there's much else to say about a Mike Yersich. The play calling was not good. I'm not going to sit here on this platform and to – Try to ruin a man's livelihood, okay? I, to, up to this point, right, he called how many games that led to 30-plus points, but in the games that matter the most, 15 and 12. 15 and 12 against Michigan and Ohio State does not get it done. Yeah, and, but, but we've seen him have strong games against top 10 teams in the past. Yep. I mean, I, I forget what... Utah's exact ranking was in the Rose Bowl, but yep. Utah it was a very that good was a top team. ten defense, top ten great defense. Penn State was having a day uh, against Utah in the Rose Bowl, uh, but I mean, uh, there's just been no creativity in this Penn State offense all year. Yep. And uh, against Michigan, uh, yeah, they had that creativity on a fourth down, but that's not the time. Really, it feels like it, it shouldn't it, be needed. Though. It worked out in that situation. <laughs> But that's really the only time we saw creativity from this Penn State offense today. James Franklin, in uh, you know, coming into the week, talked about how Penn State needed to take multiple shots in this game to win. We didn't see Penn State take a shot in this game. I said turnovers would be the key in this one because now forcing turnovers against Michigan is a very tall task. But the one you had two fumbles that occurred. Blake Corum, you don't land on it. That would have been a game changer. Drew Aller losing the football there. Again, you can only put it in your quarterback's hands to run it so many times before something like that happens. And I know that's an incident you almost can't even begin to predict, but you're almost kind of rolling the dice every time you put it into a ball carrier who's not as reassuring as a singleton, a Catron Allen. And I, I still don't think, I don't know that we see enough of Trey Potts at all, but that's a different conversation. You know, we have a full week to talk about this. Zane, you've been patient. You've been very patient. So let's talk about Drew Aller in this case. There's more about Mike Yersich that we can discuss, but in, in this time frame here on the field, Drew Aller looks like a, I'm going to pull a mad dog here. Does look like a deer in headlights at times. He's timid. He is timid. And when your quarterback, your leader on the offense, your, the, the face of your team, the face of your program right now is Drew Aller, is playing the way that he is, too much pressure on his shoulders, not playing relaxed, not playing with a fire, with a passion. I think he's putting all the work in the world, but I also think that with that effort that he's putting in, it's coming with a lot of unnecessary pressure, and it is holding him back. Michigan, J.J. McCarthy did not have a good day, but Michigan ran it a bunch of times and took pressure off of him. But for Drew Aller, Zane, what are you seeing from him that makes you say he's not taking the step forward because that's the easy conclusion we've come to, but why do you think this is? Well, I think the biggest thing is, like, first of all, he's a 19-year-old college kid who, you know, it's like he's played nine 
He's only played a few games at Penn State. He has 10 starts at Penn State yep. in his career, which is that's not a lot at all. You look at like yep. a lot of the other guys that take some time. But the question is, why is it taking him so long to develop when other guys are taking those big steps? And I think you have to look at like the system that he's in, certain players and stuff are all factors that go in. But I think a lot of it comes down to his mentality. And I think Jarrell needs to kind of figure out where he's at in that sense. Not that he's not trying, not that he doesn't want to compete. He's very competitive. You can tell he's very emotional after the games. But he needs to kind of flip a switch in his head where he's like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of throw the ball out there. A couple weeks ago when we were talking about, like, oh, just chuck it deep. Well, not necessarily put it in harm's way, but Drew Adler does need to throw the ball more. He's not throwing or having many attempts when he's in the game at quarterback. And yep. Penn State needs to give him more looks. But even, like, Franklin talked, like, some of the plays that they have, like, they're going to pass or they're going to run, and they yep. have to switch based on what the defense gives them. But Drew Aller obviously needs to throw the ball more, and that just comes with time. It comes with confidence. And it's something, like, last year we were talking, like, Sean Clifford did that a lot. He had confidence. He didn't care what anybody thought. Drew Aller here, he had one interception going into today, and he was still acting like he couldn't mess up. Like, there was a lot on yep. the line. Yep. It's like... The kid needs to just go out there, play football like he did in high school. In high school, it didn't matter. He, just, he was just throwing the ball around. Well, like, yeah, he do it again. He, he played very loose. And I'm glad that you brought up the emotional aspect of yeah. it. And th this is a bigger picture type of stuff, but I want to compare it to a Michigan team. Emotion is not a bad thing, but it's how you handle it. Uh, we saw a lot of emotion after the Ohio State game. Again, after this game, because Penn State knows that it missed an opportunity with an elite defense like this. This is the type of defense that wins you, that gets you into the top four and they missed out because the offense didn't hold up its end of the bargain. The coaching staff didn't hold up its end of the bargain, but the defense has done everything right to this point. And you can't blame the defense for giving up that late touchdown to a Blake Corum when, you know, you got to come back out on the field after another short drive. You go for it on fourth down and you're, you know, at your 30 trying to yeah. defend your goal there. But emotion. Michigan was emotional, but Michigan yeah. channeled it differently. Penn State was emotional. And I'm not saying they channeled it the wrong way, but Michigan handles emotion better. So that's got to go along with coaching. That's got to go along with mentality and everything else. I felt like, and I've said this before and I'll reiterate it, Penn State's level of serious coming into both of these games, more so in Ohio State, but also Michigan, just didn't feel like it was there. And... and I talked about Jim Harbaugh's suspension. I didn't like this. I didn't like Harbaugh's suspension coming less than 24 hours before this game because not only did it give Michigan an extra flair, a little bit of bulletin board material, and people might say, well, that's fraudulent. That's not real. That's, that's a myth. They need to go out and execute on the X's and O's. These are emotional, young, adult men, some of them still teenagers, kids, like Zane has said, but also emotions are going to be rampant at this level of football where it's a little more business-like in the NFL. So with that being said, I think Michigan has been has done a great job showing that it can not only channel that emotion, but also keep it in check and not be, because uh, a bull in a china shop, you're breaking everything, and that's not right. And, and I feel like that's where Penn State is. There's that huge letdown, and, and they're not handling the emotion well, Dylan. Yeah, and I think that goes for the players. And I uh, there's multiple calls in this game that Penn State had that I think we all agree were questionable. We'll see, yeah. And I, I wonder is was it, were some of those due to you know uh your the emotions in the moment. I mean, yeah. um people will point to that first half two point uh attempt that that was whatever, but fourth quarter going for it on fourth down in that situation um when you said points were at a premium you okay. have 
you have two time. You have two timeouts. Yep. You still four have. Minutes. You still have enough time. You still. Yeah. You had over four minutes, and you're With not punting. Having a, good, a decent day. Yeah. So, and the defense held up its end of the bargain once again. You held Michigan to 17 points at that point in the game, and had. I understand if you have no timeouts and everything else, but the situation did not dictate that decision going forward yeah. on fourth down, and then going for two. When you just completely, now, if you don't get it, you took your team completely out of the game, and I'm glad that was addressed in the press conference, even though the exchange yeah. wasn't exactly and, pretty. And, and the defense, uh, people are going to point to Michigan rushing numbers. Michigan had two really good drives in the first half that both resulted in touchdowns. In the second half, both scoring drives, uh, a field goal and a touchdown for yeah. the Wolverines, came on short field. Yeah. The, de the defense in the second half, was phenomenal. Michigan had completely abandoned the, the passing game in this game because they couldn't completely. block the front seven, Penn State. Yep. Penn State dominated the front seven this game. Uh, Michigan abandoned and finished, I think, with 32 consecutive runs, uh, not counting a DPI, which there were some questionable missed calls in this game, uh, particularly on that one drive for Michigan. But, I mean, it, it just, yeah, there's multiple things you can. This is a game for Penn State fans, beat riders, anybody in between that can go back. You, you can look at so many different plays and calls in this game that ultimately decided. But at the end of the day, I think we saw the, still the difference of what a where Penn State wants to be, which is where Michigan is right now, yep. and where Penn State is. And it, a couple of years ago, these two programs were neck and neck. Penn State may have had the edge. Right now, it, I don't think it's particularly close, and I think Michigan is by far the better program right now. And uh, that that's you know that's a testament for to Jim Harbaugh and I know a lot of people are gonna say you know the cheating scandal stuff but end of the day um, Michigan State lost our head coach for three weeks uh, it'll probably be a little shorter but three weeks 24 less than 24 hours ago and uh, today they came out and it, it didn't look like they bothered bother them at all. Decision making was questionable. It was bad at times. I did not I, on the sideline seeing that in the final five minutes for Penn State to go for that. And essentially, if they don't get the two-point conversion, you now have taken your team out of the game when you had two timeouts. There were two minutes left in the game. You could have stopped them the way that college football runs, right? You get those stops. The clock stops after you get a first down. Who's to say that it's 24 to 16? You kick it off. You put Michigan at the 25. J.J. McCarthy's banged up because that's what hurt Penn State in this game was McCarthy's legs. They would get Michigan in yeah. third and medium, seven, eight, and it was McCarthy's legs that were the difference maker that bailed them out in those situations, not his arm. So Penn State kind of had a little bit of a break with McCarthy getting banged up. So with that in mind, why are you going for two? And, and you deflated the entire team by now forcing the kick an onside kick, not getting it, and you would have gotten the ball back if you stop them and force a three and out with a minute 20 to go, the college football clock rules, and I, I don't know why the team wasn't set up to do that. And, and James contradicted himself in the uh, post-game press conference. Yep. Um, he said that he went for two in the first half, which analytically, I know people didn't I was like okay it, with. I was okay but, with that. But analytically, 14 to 11, that's the hypothetical score if you get Analytically, it. it says to go for it in that situation. That was the right decision. Yep. But uh, when Penn State scored the fourth score touchdown right here yeah. uh, to Theo Johnson, uh, decision to go for two right there. Um, if you don't get that, it, it ices the game. Uh, it's a two-score game. You go for the field goal, it's an eight-point game. You still have to get the two-point conversion. You have a chance. But theoretically, you're alive. That decision, also, it, that was the game. Was I get game. it with no timeouts. Yeah. Or the or the, 
And I, I don't. I honestly know. I don't get it with two without any timeouts or the clock is maybe at one one minute to go. It, when you had two minutes and two timeouts, that makes it worse. And I. To, uh, actually, well, Zane, what are your what are your yeah, thoughts I, on that? I have that? a question to pose to both of you then as well. Well, yeah, because they still have to go down and get the other score anyway. So it's like yeah. at that point, why are you even forcing it? Like just get the easy extra point and go down the field. Because it's still a one score. It's a yeah. one and a half score game. Yeah, and they're just making their lives a lot more difficult if they like they did. They yeah. missed a two point conversion. If you just make that, you're still in the game. And that like, was it. Michigan, said. all they had to do was was sit. They knew they won right after that. Yeah. I think they I think the sideline knew that they won by Penn State taking an un a very unnecessary gamble. Okay, I think so the fans knew that, too. The fans started to leave after that yeah. as well. The fans started to leave after the Blake Corum touchdown. But <laughs> in addition to that, right, you had the first wave and then the second wave. Dylan, what is your question? My, my question for you, too, here. And uh, After this game, Penn State has Rutgers-Michigan State. Those are two games Penn State should absolutely win. I, should think, that win. I think that Rutgers game may be a lot that's closer not, than a lot of people that's think. That's not going to be as fun as people think it, it is. And that's a, that's a program, but Penn State historically doesn't I know, you know but Rutgers is a disciplined team, and no, no, right no. now, what I'm saying is they don't historically whoop Rutgers like they whoop Maryland. They play yeah. Maryland, they 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 blow out Maryland yearly. Yeah, Rutgers, Penn State usually comes out slow against and wins. You know, twenty nine nothing, not fifty five, whatever. Mm -hmm. Sure, it, it's ugly. I get your point. Ugly performances. Penn State should go ten two this year, but at the end of the day, for fans, this is a boss season. The the team you had, the defense they had. They know it. The they, team should, knows they should have. Eleven and one was their should have been record this year. Mm -hmm. They could have beat both Ohio State and Michigan. There was there was avenues for an undefeated season. Yes. Yep. Which loss do you think is more damage for the Mimi Lions this season? Was it the Ohio State loss or was it the Michigan loss? I, I lean the Michigan loss because after the, there there is nothing after this. There yeah. there is no rectifying. What are you happy about the Peach Bowl? I, I mean, <laughs> and and if they win a Peach Bowl, that's if they win a New Year's Six Bowl, great. That the program went to our New York. But in the bowl. scheme of thing, when you had the goals. Yes, when you had the goals, but I mean, a Peach Bowl is not as fun as, for a fan as a Rose Bowl. A Rose no. Bowl, especially in Big Ten country, still means something. No. There, there's nothing that will save this season. No matter what they do going forward, I, I think for fans, they're gonna ultimately it's a ten and two season. But fans are gonna look back at this season as ultimately as a failure because. Penn State had the defense to do something this year, but then you lose that next season. You'll get the entire, yep. just about 99% of the offense back, say, old fashioned with Theo Johnson. I'm not going to dive too much away from this conversation, yeah. but yes, you, you had the, I said it to start this episode. You had the elite defense and you fumbled it. And even without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline, the oppo that opposing sideline over there, Penn State was still out coached in a variety of ways in this game. Yeah, so I guess that's my question for you guys. Which one do you think is, is more uh, indicative of where this Penn State program is heading into 2024? Because, I mean, the season's mostly over. There's three games for, left. But for I'll, I'll be quickly. I want to hear yeah. Zane's thoughts on this. Ohio State was more of a matter of talent and execution. Yeah. I feel like Penn State, I, I will put that one more on the players. Sure. I feel like the coaches let down Penn State in this one. So... Yep. I think the players did as much as they could, but if you go to the Ohio State game, I feel like the players bear a little more responsibility. Yeah. Zane, your thoughts? I think this loss today against Michigan was definitely a lot more, like, was a lot tougher for the sure. guys. It was like, so, like, you lose to Ohio State, obviously, they always say it's, like, tough to win in college football. Yeah. So you lose. It's, not, it's you really hard. You still have this game. Yeah, it's hard to go undefeated. And then you get this lifeline. They're like, okay, you guys can still make it if you beat Michigan, and then you guys lose. 
it's like like you said, you're losing your defense, you're, like your offense will be back. Pressure was too much. You got all these guys, and it's like it's tough. Like when all the media and all the fans and the players are like, "This is our year," and then you just kind of lose it all. Like it feels like they have nothing now. All the players and after the press conference and everything, they were in there. And we were talking to them, and a lot it, of them were crying. This, they were. It was tough for them. It's like yeah. understandable. Like you want to win, and yeah. the the loss in the stadium from the final minute moments. Uh, to press conferences. It, this one definitely felt a little bit different than other big losses. I mean, uh, out, out here last year against Ohio State, tough loss, but uh, it, it but definitely the, felt a lot different the goals, than this one. The goals were different. Everybody yeah. had set the bar at, well, Penn State, if they go 7-5, and 8-4, and four, I guess that's an okay season. Then they went 10-2, and two and they won the Rose Bowl. But then the goals jumped significantly, astronomically. They went from... Eight and four with Sean Clifford to now the five-star quarterback. And we're thinking at least 11 and one, right? Like you said, you said at least 11 and one, undefeated college football playoff. The defense was capable of that. I'm just, I'm disappointed because you, Drew Aller, we've all agreed here that Drew Aller's development is not where, where it should be. So we'll, we'll keep this brief just to yes. wrap it up. But the final, the final idea with this, and because everyone... Fans were screaming things at the Penn State sideline. Yeah. Um, there was kind of a lot of there was a lot of ruckus on the field. Michigan was holding you know signs up saying you know we don't need a coach to win and different different phrases and everything just to kind of antagonize Penn. I mean they hold the bragging rights. They have the right to do that. It's college football. Motions are high. Uh, is it a little you know is it a little slimy given all the allegations and everything? Yes, but you won, so you get to continue to brag. Okay, so now you're here again, 10 and two, once again, best case scenario. This is really bad if you lose somehow to Michigan State or Rutgers. Yeah. And right now, I'm not saying they lose to Rutgers, but I do not feel good about it because as we've seen traditionally, James Franklin teams do not respond well after these kinds of losses. But that's not my, that's not my question, that's not my topic here. People are gonna be loud and proud about fire James Franklin again. People are gonna be loud and proud about fire Mike Yersich. I, I am not in the boat of fire James Franklin. There were people, fellow media members, that were kind of discussing things. Like, everything's out there now. There's really no more excuses or what-ifs or caveats or anything else. James Franklin's 4-16 against Ohio State in Michigan. He does not have any winning records against top 25 teams at home or on the road. It, this is, are, can, can Penn State fans, can... Can some of the can Penn, the Penn State media accept that this might be the ceiling, the ten and two, and the New Year's Six Bowl? Now it's like, well, there's the twelve team college football playoff. Zane, I want to start with you, but then so that's going to translate to probably nine and three. The ceiling's going to become what nine and three, and then an early exit in the college football playoff. Well, like you mentioned, the twelve team playoff. It's like. It doesn't mean as much then to the fans. Like it's a lot harder unless you make it to the moving, semifinal. You're moving the goal, like yeah, that's where it goes. You're moving the goalpost. You it's gotta... a lot harder to make a 14 playoff, and that's what Penn State wants to be the best. So like unless they like somehow still make a. Like, but that's what I'm saying. An early exit. So you yeah. make the college football playoff as whatever a seven seed. You're hosting that home game. Then you get to the semifinal, and then you get blown out by an elite team. That's what things are trending towards. And because the Big Ten schedule gets harder, now you're going to have nine and three. And maybe some eight and four seasons. So the forever ten and two moniker is probably going to go away as well because now you got Washington, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Yeah, that stretch next season is not good, especially if things don't break your way. So, but that's the point. The point is, is everyone okay with with this this standard? That's do you take you know, do you take the risk 
of losing everything that's been built over the past decade for for what? Where do you go if you were going to make a change? Because gonna, you can't go anywhere. I'm going to give a non-answer here. This, this is a uh, <laughs> we're used to those. This that that's Pat Pat Kraft's decision. That's yeah. Decision that's why he's paid the here. big bucks. We just this, get to talk about that's it. That's his decision to make here. Um, you know, I, I think James Franklin's a very good college football coach. I don't think there's any denying that. You look at the resume, there's a lot of coaches that would die to have the resume. There's a lot of pro- How about Maryland? Maryland would love to go 10-2 and two and be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Yes. And they might they might miss. They might go 5-7 and seven and miss. I know they're playing today. And everything. I, is, is Penn State a national championship caliber program on a consistent basis? I don't know if they are there. Do I think they could be a, a national championship contender every few years? I think they absolutely could put together teams. This year, they have the defense to be that type of team. The they offense, were supposed to, and that's why this really stinks. The offense clearly isn't there. I, th- I think, ultimately, though, you look at Penn State over the last few years with James Franklin. Of all the good he's done, there's also been these tough losses, and these tough losses are usually you know, by the smallest of margins. And at the end of the day, yes, players have to play, make plays, but also a lot of these issues have come down to coaching decisions and yeah. those type of things. And... Uh, I think for Penn State fans, that's where it gets, you know, the most frustrating yep. is that some of these losses aren't on the players. Some of these come back down to Franklin, his coaching decisions, his the staff's decisions of who to play, uh, who not to play, um, and, and those types of things. So, I mean, at the end, of the day, I think James Franklin and his staff have a, a lot of soul searching to do. These two losses, um, yep. I think, speak a lot about what the program is right now. Uh, I, I like I said, I think James Franklin's a very good program, a very good head coach. I think he could win a national championship at the right place. But I will also say I'm not sure that right now Penn State is that place where he can win a national championship. It just, I, I think it's a tough pill to swallow. It, it's one of those things where, as I, like I said, I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great recruiter. He has a lot going for him. I think he's a guy who could win a national so championship. If he but, were to, if he were to leave or things were people, you know, it's just let's just agree to move on. Yeah. J- James Franklin would still have a lot. He had success at Vanderbilt of all places. He's always going to have a job. In yeah, college oh, football. Yeah. He'll oh, yeah. always have a job in college football. But I, I, I think at the end of the day, at, at what point ten years in does I, I mean, it's when does when is enough data points? Enough it's data set points? it's set in stone at this point. I don't we, think we there's heard, any more question marks. Without giving names, we heard a rather prominent reporter. Yeah, we say national reporter. We say something similar in the elevator. There is enough there that shows what James Franklin is and what James Franklin isn't. And now it's up to uh, you know the Penn State administration to decide. Uh, and, and you know, there's what eighty million dollar buyout. They're, they're not going to buy out James Franklin. Let's get that straight. There, there's no chance of that. But um, there's a lot of soul searching. I think the program has to do, uh, and that starts to pull Paul, Pat Kraft all the way down to James Franklin and those under him, um, and they got to figure out what, why the program is again to where they want it, and they got to figure out fast on how to get the program there because, in a, in one year, less than a year, you got four new programs entering this conference, yep. and while I think Washington USC are gonna maybe have a little bit of a hard time adjusting, I think Oregon is in a prime position to jump into the Big Ten and be one of the top programs right away. And I think Texas A&M is, a, if you want to look for something comparable, a comparable situation, it's Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher because he won a national title at Florida State. That's nice that he did win one, but it's not translating to Texas A&M. And he's got the consistent top three recruiting classes, right? Penn State will get a top 10 or sneak into the top 10, but consistently top 15. You have an insane NIL backing at Texas A&M. I'm not gonna, it's, the point is not to deviate attention 
But Zane, any any final thoughts on this? I think you know we're approaching a half hour on this one episode. <laughs> Standing here in Beaver Stadium, but the conversation needed to be extensive because there's so much to discuss. And we could probably go for another thirty minutes. I could. I could. Really, really wanted to. We could go thirty minutes. And I, lesson for me, I, I just think the outside excuses for James Franklin, the the facilities, the NIL, those are starting to run out. NIL is still a little bit of an issue, but it's definitely. A lot better than it was. Well, it's not a, the best in the world, but it is better. A lot better than it was a year ago. Facility, He's thing. running out of these type of things to point to of why the program's not where it comes to be. At one point or another, James Franklin has to definitely, you know, start pointing fingers at himself and his coaching staff of why this program isn't getting to that point because, you know, Jim Harbaugh, you know, two years ago was looking like he may get fired, and yeah. two years later, uh, Michigan's knocking on the door. Bona, bonafide college football playoff yeah. contender. There's really... No debate. It must be nice. It really must be nice, Zane. But kind of like final thoughts and just like Dylan was saying, like there's a lot of things that need to be happening over this offseason for Penn State. Yep. A lot of things they need to consider. Who do they keep? Who do they not? Even if they don't fire anybody, do they bring somebody else in and maybe just kind of work things out? It's a lot of things that Penn State has to figure out, and that's all up to Pat Kraft. And I don't think there's really anything else we can talk about in that aspect. I think it's just something Penn State has to figure out internally and discuss for themselves and nothing they're going to say publicly obviously for a long time the season was a disappointment i hope it doesn't get any worse because nine and three eight and four is certainly a bad look i'm not implying that penn state's going to lose those games but if it does happen things can go from bad to worse because this was this did have the potential to be at least an 11-1 team like dylan said and i've said that on the podcast for the longest time now and penn state didn't do that so this one hurts even more for them because they knew what goals they had they told us those goals. We told them to you, and they didn't accomplish any of them. So that's going to do it here for this uh, in-stadium episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. I encourage everyone to subscribe to the channel. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to happyvalleyinsider.com. Penn State Rivals Dylan helps me out a ton with his analysis. You can follow myself, Dylan, Zane, all on X, Twitter. And keep it right here for more Penn State football contests. The season's far from over. We have more to discuss here on Locked on Nittany Lions.